In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble, and as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are steadily, inch by inch, film by film, making our way down this lovely road to 300 episodes. And tonight, we are once again at the home of one Vincent Williams to watch his selection Mm. for today's show. And it is a doozy from 1999. Mm. It is Forrest Whitaker in Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog, Way of a Samurai. Mm. But before we get into that, I want to thank and welcome each and every one of you who are watching us as we stream live via StreamYard to Facebook and YouTube, as well as on Twitch. Shout out to each and every one of you out there. Thank you so much, all of you in the chat. And hello, Vincent. Hello, sir. And how are you? I'm doing very well. I can't complain one bit. Good to hear. Good to hear. You know, it's interesting. Um, we we got an email and the person, the, the bulk of this email didn't need it to be shared because they were just asking a question. Okay. Uh, I mean, well, they were asking more of a technical question. Okay. Stuff like that, right? All right. But they did have one small question. Okay. That I I wanted to pose, not necessarily pose, but just share with you. Okay. And it was asking, you know, um, why do we, you know, one, read the emails. Okay. okay. On our show. Okay. As well as why do we give like shout outs to people that are following us in the chat? Okay. Sometimes mention their (laughs) comments and stuff like that. Right. And I thought that that was a a very odd question because (laughs) I thought it was, you know, you do it because yeah, yeah, yeah. Showing appreciation. Absolutely. But I started thinking about it because we got that, we got that email like not long after the show last week. Okay. So, and it had been on my mind as I was listening to other podcasts that I okay. listened to. Because, you know, unlike you, I listen to other podcasts. I know. I know. And. You do. <laughs> one of the things that um, I noticed is that on a lot of these shows, some small, some big, mm-hmm. they talk about, you know, getting emails from people. Uh, they talk about talking to their listeners 
on Twitter mm-hmm. and things like that. And they'll even maybe share a, a, a tweet or two. Okay. But for the most part, it really is just talk. So they talk about the feedback that they're getting from the people. Sure. And they'll even say like, hey, they'll pose a question out to their listeners and say, uh, you know, tell us what you think about this. But then there's never any type of follow-up. Sure. Right? Sure. And while I know you can't follow up on everything because it, then your show is just nothing but follow-up. Exactly. Just like we can't just do shout-outs all day because then it's nothing but shout-outs. Sure, sure. And we need to have time to talk about like Gigantor. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll find room for a gi- right, Gigantor. Right, right. Sort of the difference in the anime between the 60s and the 70s. We're like, remember, it was a group of anime where where the little boys would control the robots. Mm-hmm. But then it moved into the anime of the 70s and 80s where the the people would get inside the robot. Mm. Right. So we need time to talk about we that. Do, we, case in point. Right, right. But, but, but uh, please continue. What I appreciate is that I think by doing it the way that we do it, mm-hmm. it helps build a community. I 100% agree with that. I think it helps build a community. Everybody feels um, like that, like, you know, on some small level, a little bit of ownership on the show. I, I think that's 100% correct. Yeah. And, and it always boggled my mind that other podcasts, especially like some of the smaller podcasts, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, like, Bill Simmons on the Ringer podcast, which is a, a which is a string of sports podcasts for the most part, which you probably know, have know nothing about. Sure, um, he doesn't need that. Right, he doesn't need the the build up the community. He's got ten. I think he got like eighty million dollars from Spotify. He don't need it. Right, right. But certain other smaller podcasts, I ain't gonna pick on them and call them by name. They should maybe like. Give a little shout out to a couple of people. I mean, I hear you about size being part of it. I I don't know how much I agree with that. Like, I really do feel like, well, I, okay, I, I guess I hear you on right. That. Like, 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 I feel like one of one of the real strengths of Tyler Perry's empire mm-hmm. is that people feel like they are a part of his success and a part of this this community that he has built around his art. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason that people are so defensive right. about him. And, and, and I, I give him a lot of credit for that. So, so I hear you about, you know, the smaller you're obviously you need people to be as, as, as passionate as possible, but I don't foresee a time where I'd ever be like, like I love, I love talking to people and I love the emails and, and, and the suggestions. And we've said it before there, there are lots of, of, of books and music and movies Mm -hmm. and television shows over, over the years now that I never would have known about. Yep. If we had had this sort of top heavy approach to it. Mm Mm-hmm. For that sure. that we kind of do this and and here it is and people write in and you know thank you you know i'm uncomfortable with the word fans like i like the term missionaries because we are kind of all so 
I'm I'm not sure who, who I'm I'm sorry if if the person who wrote the letter. Oh no, they they, 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 they were just they were just honestly wondering, just pointing it out, just pointing it just out. Pointing out. No. It wasn't they, like it, it wasn't like a loaded question. Oh, like no, no, like no, no, are no. so so is that what you're going to wear? No no no. It, it wasn't it, a question like that. Pointed out as if, right. uh, in appreciation. In appreciation. Okay. All right. um, because just like and Farrell Blackwell in the chat uh, uh, notes this that on other podcasts you not all but some you have to pay to be recognized. Oh, you're not contributing to their Patreon. You're oh. not part of the end. Is that real? Is that true? Well, <laughs> that is terrible. Well, that is true. Well, I, in a, in a, in a way, okay. that is true. That is true because there's a lot of people that have like Patreon. Right, right. If you pay the Patreon, then I call. Then I shout you then out. I'll give you a shout out of our Patreon followers. This or, is, or um, <laughs> you give me a dollar and I say your name. Some of them. This is how you end up end up with the OnlyFans page, though. Like you know, that's where this ends up. Now your nipples are out. Now what? <laughs> now what? Now what? Well, speaking as someone who has gotten naked on radio. See? See? This is how it starts. Well. Now you're Coco in that dirty apartment. <laughs> Man says, do, don't you, do you want to make it in this business or not? <laughs> Very true. Very true. But yeah, there are some podcasts that are like that. Um, George Kimona notes. Hey, what's up, George? That you can make time for robots, but not <laughs> shame. Shame. Oh, he. You know what? You know what? Ain't no more talking to the missionaries. Thanks, George. <laughs> All right, George ruined everybody out of the pool. Everybody say thank you, George. Thank you, George. <laughs> no more talking to the missionaries. Turn the chat off, Lynn. Ain't no more chat. We turn the car around. Speaking of Trek, just to give him a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of Trek. Are you caught up on Discovery? I am not. <laughs> Here's either. the thing, though. Me neither. I blame you. Why? I started watching Deadwood. Oh, oh, oh my God. You started watching I'm, it. I'm on episode three. I don't want to talk about it yet. Okay. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, three, I'm, not ready I'm yet. right, right, right. But I'm, you know. Oh. Oh. Oh, so good. So, it's so good. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm not caught up on on Discovery either. I got to get back to it. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, it's it's it, it's funny. It's just yesterday because you know I told you I I started rewatching The Wire. Right. Because I was listening to The Wire podcast. Right. So now right. I'm watching it in in line with them. Did you did you write them? Did they say, Hey, Lynn? No. <laughs> did you contribute to their Patreon? No, I did not. Okay. The, the, their show was, it, it, it's done. It's over and done with. They're done. Okay. I, you know, I'm listening to it now. Okay. Um, But, so we've gotten, they got into season four. Okay. You know, with the with the schools. Yeah. So I started and I was on episode two. Oh my goodness. And next thing I know, I was finished The Wire. Like, and right, I didn't, right. I was supposed to be watching it in time with the show. Right, right. Now I'm like two seasons ahead. That's I'm what done. happens. Because it's so good. Yeah. It was so good. So good. So, um, oh, I can't wait to when you're ready to talk about, um, uh, about, uh, Deadwood. Deadwood. Um, and Aaron Fry, see, people, they, our missionaries, they like Trek. Aaron Fry wants to know if you're caught up on lower. Oh, days. yeah. I, did you ever, did you finish this season? Well, it's just been the two seasons. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Lower Decks, it's, it's, it's hilarious. And surprisingly, 
Trek. Well, I mean, it's based on Trek. No, no, no. I know it's Trek, but I'm just saying the spirit of Trek. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. like I think it really found its rhythm, and it's like a great Star Trek show. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And and quite as kept. It's the second best Star Trek show on right now. Because I think it's better than Picard. Yeah, it is better than Picard. Not, they're not hating on. No, 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 no. It's better than yeah. Picard. Um. All right. Um, the, uh, see, I I can't get to the missionaries. No, I didn't. they got out the pool, and now they're all in the chat. <laughs> So I gotta I gotta get that out of here. Um so oops, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, for a second. So um Vincent. Yes. Cause I did have something I wanted to to run by you real Okay, quick. all right. And what was that? Oh, I know what it was. A lot of running by love in front of people. All right, go ahead. Well, no, 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 <laughs> because this is something I saw that you you mentioned that you wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Because you said that you wanted to talk about the uh, a fairly recent movie that is yes. now streaming on Apple TV. Yes. And that was called Apple Plus. Um, Swan Song. Swan Song. I, I think I remember when this came out. And I feel like it, it may have gotten a little lost in, in the sauce a bit. Because it came out like in, in December. In December, right. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Yeah. It is excellent really it is excellent for a lot of different reasons i i think the the way i've been it's almost like philip k dick and barry jenkins got together and made a movie really like like it is it is so so good like it, it is it is this wonderful exploration of of technology mm-hmm. sort of the ethics of technology mm-hmm. and and it's a conversation that we will probably be having frankly in our lifetimes mm. it is gorgeous right the acting is sublime um i do not say this lightly i think mahershala ali is just as good in this as he was in moonlight yeah naomi harris is fantastic. Glenn Close is fantastic. Oh, Glenn Close is in it as mm-hmm. well. Aqua yeah. Aquafina, who oh yeah, yeah, she's good. Yeah, it's it's and I I don't even want to talk about what it's about. Oh, so you don't want me to read the like the little short synopsis? I would actually rather you didn't. Okay, it is science fiction, right? But it's very smart science fiction. Like it is along the lines of Black Mirror. Or or yeah. the, or the film Her, okay. which is one of my favorite science fiction films of the past twenty years, and then you know for 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 our newer missionaries, one one of my more controversial stances is that one of my favorite black love stories is Django Unchained. Yes, because this is one of the few films where you have a black man. Mm-hmm. going above and beyond for a black woman. Right. 
I'm adding swan song to it. Like this is so this fits in that same. This thing. is one of the most lovely black love stories I've ever seen. Oh wow! Like it really, really is. And then what I realized about Django is that it's not a romance. Django is not right, a romance. but it is a love story. Yes, and there's a there's a difference. Yes. And while this has romantic elements to it, swan song, swan song. At the root of it, this is a love story. Okay. And 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 what you'll what you will do and sacrifice for the woman you love. And it it is it is amazing. Yeah. It is absolutely amazing. And and I don't have the information in front of me right now. The direction is sublime. Uh, the direction sim- uh, I think is Benjamin Cleary. Benjamin Cleary, and I think this is his first film. No, it's not his first film. It's not. I don't think it's his first. I thought it was his first full-length film. Oh, maybe his first full-length film. Okay, all right. Uh, The cinematography is amazing. Mm -hmm. The costumes, the the sets, you know, again, it's set in the near future. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those films that really has this organic integration of technology, like, like, not even the day after tomorrow, like tomorrow afternoon. Okay. okay. You know, again, it, 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 it deals with technology in the way the best episodes of black mirror did, mm-hmm. or again, spike Jones is her, mm-hmm. which I think it really is. Okay. It's, it's like this afternoon right. with the technology, but it is in, and, and then, you know, my thing with the, um, with the Apple TV apple uh plus productions they just they just throw money at the the music licensing like it like it's water so the music is is like it is it is an extraordinary film it is the best film i've seen in a long time and i just saw the tragedy of macbeth a few weeks ago wow wow okay all right. Well, that is high praise indeed. I so, so please go see Swan Song. I know we posted a bunch of love, a bunch of love um, stories and, and romances for Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, over we the did. Weekend. Yeah. But again, this is this has shot up way to the top of my list mm. of films that that I think is just an amazing story of black love. It real because you know. And we talked about this, like, like the thing about our, like, you know, it's like these dudes, like Brian and Mahogany is a real, like he a real shaky dude. Very much so. Very much so. Omar Epps and loving basketball is not cool. Not cool at all. You don't, you wonder why. Tay Diggs in the best man and brown sugar. Like this is like, these are not characters that I want the men that come from my daughter to, to be, or I want my son to emulate. Hmm. But, but Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali's Cameron, this is a man. Okay. This is a man right now. He loves his wife. Okay. So yes. Swan song. All right. Okay. I don't know if I want to review it because we're probably not going to do it this year because we're counting down to 300. But I don't know if I want to do an in Octavia April or just like as a love story because you can look, you can really deal can with it. Way. You can you can do it like I'm like look, you know me. I'm already 
putting it on my syllabus. Like I'm probably going to teach it in spring in my science fiction class. All right. So yes, swan song. All right. All right. All right. Well, you heard it. Yes. Vince, Vince said, watch swan. Watch swan song. Go see it. Go see it. I think, I think it had a limited run. So depending on what city you're in, you might, it may maybe yeah, like my New Yorkers and my LA folks might be able to catch it. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's streaming on Apple TV. Watch it in the in the right. privacy and the safety. Yes, of your own home. Yes, you know we can microwave yourself some popcorn. Yes, and sit there and watch. Yes, with a glass of wine. With a glass of wine. All right, all right. Or you know, a forty. I don't know. I don't know how y'all do. I don't know how the missionaries do. That's maybe, true. Maybe they like 40s. I don't know. I don't judge. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. You don't look like a 40s guy. A 40. I've not had a 40 in so <laughs> we, You know me. Even when we were having 40s, I didn't like it. You didn't like it. Like, mm. But yes, Swan Song. All right. All right. Uh, George Kimona says he's putting it on the list. Please do. Right after Trek. <laughs> Fair enough. George is not going to let George is <laughs> George is not going to get his foot off my neck. No, he's not, and it's on your neck. It's not mine. I neck. know, I know. <laughs> Good thing about the pandemic is I haven't been in a place with George yeah. in like two years, so I can just see him glaring at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's glaring at you. All right, so. Let us get into the game show that is sweeping the nation. Oh my goodness, is it time it already? Time. All right. It's that time. Let's get into six degrees of Derville Martin. Degrees of Derville Martin. All right. Are you ready, Vince? Yes. All right. Now, I okay. did not watch Swan Song. Okay. I watched the I guess the other end of the rainbow. Okay. This weekend. Um, I watched Kramer versus Kramer. Kramer versus Kramer. I probably have not seen Kramer versus Kramer in like 20 years. Yeah, it's, it had been a minute since. Does, does it hold up? Um, I'm I didn't I'm still like about halfway into it. Okay. Uh, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. You know? I mean, I remember it being really good. Yeah, it's really good. And the kid was good. Oh, yeah. The kid uh, played by uh, Justin Henry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's really. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it being good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, and um, I still, I remember watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. And now I, I still had the same thought this time. I just don't see Meryl Streep falling for Dustin Hoffman. Like, Look, man. I don't see them two coming together. Stranger things Very have happened. True. Very true. All right, but, but in but, light of that, in light of that, I'm going to task you. Yes. In six films or less, six get from Derville Martin to Dustin Hoffman. Okay. <sighs> Derville Martin to Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. So what do I got Dustin Hoffman and I got him in Kramer versus Kramer, as we've just mentioned. Yes. I've got him in um 
He was also in Dick Tracy. Oh, well, Dick Tracy will be that. That I'm probably going to go to him through Dick Tracy. Mumbles. Yeah. I got him in uh, Tootsie, of course. And he was in Tootsie? Yes. Who else was in Tootsie? Who else is in Tootsie? Yeah, um, is... That's a good question. Like, who else is in Tootsie? Isn't is Terry Gar in Tootsie? No. Dustin. Huh? No, you know who's in? Oh, no. I don't know who's in Tootsie. It's a good question. That's uh, Dustin Hoffman in um, what's my Watergate movie? Oh, um, uh, 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 um, all the presidents men. All the presidents men with Robert Redford. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's also in The Graduate. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm um. So I'm just trying to put you in. That no, era. no, no, no. So Derville Martin is in. To Sir with Love with Sidney Portier. Sidney Portier is in Sneakers with Robert Redford. Right? Is that right? Uh yeah. So where did Derville Martin and to Sir with Love? I'm sorry, not to Sir with Love. Guess who's coming to dinner? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Derville Martin is with uh Sidney Portier in To Sir with Love. Sidney Portier is in Robert is in sneakers with Robert Redford. Robert Redford is in all the presidents men with Dustin Hoffman. All right. Well, you've got there. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Okay. All right. I don't like that. You got that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) I ain't even use I'm, I ain't even use a whole bunch of black people. I know. <laughs> uh, 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 I don't like that. It's a little quick. All right. <laughs> you were supposed to be stumped for a little longer. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. I mean, those are like big movies. Yeah, well, still. I mean, who thinks that Derbel Martin and Dustin Hoffman's filmography? Is going to cross. I mean, how many movies do you really think about Dustin Hoffman in? Like, you think about The Graduate, which I completely had forgotten about. Frankly, I always forget about The Graduate. You you think about fan of The Graduate? No, no, no. I just kind of forget about it because you know why? Because he's young, right? And I always think like him, right? I always think of like you know, like in his thirties, forties, Dustin Hoffman. But like the Dustin Hoffman movies are really Tootsie, Kramer versus Kramer. And all the all the king's men, presidents, all the presidents' men, rather. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, there's Ishtar, right, <laughs> right. Like you said, Dick Tracy. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, he wasn't Dick Tracy, wasn't he? What's what's the movie? Um, uh, Contagion. What's the one where it's like the monkey <laughs> starts spreading his disease? <laughs> You know, the one with the monkey. <laughs> He's in that. Like, I stayed right in the mall Cinemax for that one. He's in that movie. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I know what movie he's in that you probably like. What? Uh, the Royal Tannenbaums. 
Dustin Hoffman isn't in the Royal Tannenbaums. Is isn't he in the Royal Because he because because he shares scenes with Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin's not in the Royal Tannenbaums. I'm a different movie. Dustin, what are you? <laughs> what are you thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. Now I gotta look it up. You're thinking of the fish to save Pittsburgh. It's not, you know. <laughs> it doesn't often is the ball and the fish that save Pittsburgh. No. Um, you ever think about on the Globetrotters cartoon, Curly's superpower was he turned into a basketball? Yeah. Even as a kid, I was uncomfortable with that. I, that was very true. Um, I'm looking at his, his big movies. You forgot Midnight Cowboy? Big movie. You know what? I don't know if I've ever actually seen Midnight Cowboy. Really? Like I've seen the last scene. Ah, oh, that's it. Oh, no, that's not what where's, where's the movie that I was thinking of? Um because now I'm not seeing it. it. I think it's like a West who's the guy that West You you don't even know who Dustin Hoffman is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're thinking of Max Hedrum. Uh, well, I can't find the movie. Well, this is uh, anyway. All right. Well, you got somebody else. I guess he's not in the world. Well, now I don't want to give you the other person because you. Watch. No. How movie, are you not gonna give me the other person? The movie I'm thinking about is I Heart Huckabees. Yeah, I never saw saw I Heart Huckabees because it seemed like I Heart Huckabee was trying too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, and my, my favorite Dustin Hoffman performance is in Wag the Dog. Yeah, Wag the Dog was a little full of itself. What? Yeah, it was a little pompous. Oh, Wag like Wag the Dog is a type of Wag the Dog. Was Wag the Dog was is a kind of movie that like conservatives who hate Hollywood, mm-hmm. and they say Hollywood liberals and are like Wag the Dog is is that kind of movie. Like you could tell, everybody in Wag the Dog was very self satisfied. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, Sharon Eldridge corrects me. The movie wasn't called Contagion, it was called Outbreak. Outbreak. The monkey. The working title was The One with the Monkey. (laughs) That was the working Outbreak. Outbreak. The One with the Monkey. The One with the Monkey. Oh, is Lawrence Fishburne in that? No, no, it's Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. Isn't Lawrence Fishburne in one of them? Everybody gets sick movies because of, of some type of contagion that now no one wants to watch any of those movies now. Because it's a little, it cuts a little close to the bone. I don't know about that. Um, uh, 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 Sharon Eldridge also shouts out Hook. He was Hook. He was, he was, uh, he was, and that was a good was, movie. I like Hook. Well, you always think of Robin Williams though, when you think of Hook. You know what? As much as I like that, y'all, movie, y'all gonna keep talking about movies where Dustin Hoffman is under like three pounds of makeup. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. it's the title, he's the title character. Dick Tracy. <laughs> he was in Dick Tracy. He was in Dick Tracy. He was. Robert Monroe Jr. is is um confusing his white men because he is shouting out Dog Day Afternoon, which was <laughs> Al, Al Pacino. Pacino. <laughs> Not <Dustin laughs> Right. Um Yet a great film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dog Day Afternoon is the truth. Very, very good film. Um, oh, and the one with L- Lawrence Fishburne. Thank you, Jeffrey Thomas. 
that was contagious. I knew it was something where Lawrence Fishburne had on like a military uniform. And I knew there was one called contagious. And it was some people with with them outfits on. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, as Sharon calls them, those everybody gets sick movies. Right. I don't really mess with those movies now. Nah. I don't like those movies. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. Well, now, now those movies are zombie movies. Right. Because everybody just gets right. sick and comes back. Right. Oh, my God. And uh, there you go. Who else you got? All right. Well, I can't go to that person now. So now I got to come. Why can't you go to the other person? Because the other person, the other person was the other person in in Kramer versus Kramer. So you can get there the same way you just did. Oh right. It was Meryl Streep. Right, right. We did. We just repeating the same. Yeah, it's true. All right. So I'm going to come up. So uh, 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 I'm taking out Meryl Streep. Okay. And just off the top of my dome. Top of the dome. Who you got? The first, I don't, I, there's no way you can get to this person because I don't think there's a way that you can get to okay. This. Charlie Chaplin. No, it's joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is this was somebody that came up to me earlier. Okay, get from uh, Dervo Martin, Dervo Martin, six moves or less to Woody Allen. Oh, Woody Allen. Yes. Um. I know the easiest way to get to him. Oh, don't tell me there's an easy way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a fairly easy way. Twenty well, Allen, he doesn't put black Dur- people on his. Durville Martin is in five on the black hand side. With Dick Anthony Williams, who's in Mo Better Blues, with Lawrence Fishburne, who's in Take Your Pick of the Marvel movies, with Scarlett Johansson, who's uh, in whatever that Woody Allen movie is with Woody Allen. So that's the easiest way. Ah, uh, damn it! Forgot about that. Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, Marvel movies. Speaking of Marvel, movies. who else is in? Um, because this is what I'll do. I'll just do Woody Allen movies that I like, and it's only three of them. So I like Sleeper. Uh, wow, you went way back. I like Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. I think it's overrated, but I like it. Okay. And I like what's what is it the uh the the radio movie? Oh, that's um, I know that oh. Shoot, I know exactly which one you're talking about. It's about the radio performers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I can't think. Yeah, of those are the only three Woody Allen movies I like. So I'll use. You know, like the one where what's the one where he overdubs the um. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like that. So is anybody in Sleeper? Like who all is in Sleeper? I think I like. I'm sure one of them actors. There's some crossover between those actors and Derville Martin. Well, that's that's interesting. And if not them, the um, what is it like? Is it Bullets Over Broadway? Is that the 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 the, the radio the radio movie? I think that sounds about that sounds right. Uh, Sleeper, Woody Allen, Diane Keaton. I didn't think she was in that. Um, Don Kiefer, Barlett Robinson, John Beck, Douglas Rain. That's the entire cast. I don't know any of those people. Diane, Outside, of course, Keaton. Diane Keaton. 
and I guess she's the only big one in Annie Hall. Well, yeah, her and well, I mean, I guess it's probably like you know, like he uses a lot of those New York, yeah, actors. So, yeah, Bullets Over Broadway is the, uh, Dan Keaton was in the um, um, uh, what was those? What were those movies? It was oh no 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 no. I was keep on. Who were those movies with Steve Martin in the nineties with with the daughter? What was it? Oh, Father, Father of the, the Bride. Bride. Is that mm-hmm. Diane Keaton with him? As his wife? I believe so. Is that Diane Keaton? Yeah, I believe so. I believe Dervil Martin is in The Jerk. Dervil Martin is not in The Jerk. Is somebody black in The Jerk? No, it's not no. no what, his family. Who's his, who's his family? Who's who's who? Steve, remember Steve Martin was raised by black people in The Jerk. You know how long ago it's been since I've seen that movie? Let me let's just look it up. The Jerk. Yeah, there's somebody in there with Steve Martin because I I that was one of my exercises. I got to Steve Martin from Durville Martin. Let's see, Bernadette Peters, Mabel King. Okay, Richard Ward. Oh right, Richard Ward and Mabel King. Is that it? I don't know why I thought Derville Martin was in the jerk. Cause I, th- I thought I could get to Steve Martin pretty quickly. Ah, no. You know who you're thinking of? Who am I thinking of? Your boy. Who? Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Ant- that's what it is. That's what it is. So, yeah, Derville Martin is in Five One of Black Hand Side with Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams is in the jerk with Steve Martin, who's in Father of the Bride with Diane Keaton, who he's is in, in everything. Annie Hall with Woody Allen. And um, you said she was in Sleeper? Yeah. And then Sleeper with Woody Allen. So that's two just using the movies that I like. And then who's in uh am I thinking about Bullets Over Broadway? You know what? I, I'm I'm looking it up. I don't think that was actually Bullets Over Broadway. What was the name of that movie? I'm gonna it, find like, out now because Bullets Over Broadway is talking about a playwright, which is, you know, not Is that even Woody Allen? No, no Bullets Over Broadway is Woody Allen, but it's I don't think that is the the movie um hold on and i know i know everybody's shouting it out in the chats and i'm gonna look it up myself radio days radio days i like radio I days thought, and i thought it was more on yeah the nose. yeah i like radio days a lot who else is in radio who's in radio days uh in radio days we have um woody allen i'm just gonna read the names that you would know um seth green danny aiello oh well danny aiello jeff daniels Larry David. Uh, yes, that Larry David. Mia Farrow. Uh, Diane Keaton, of course. Of course. Julie Kavner. Um, uh, <laughs> not a lot, not a lot of brown faces. I mean, it's never any brown faces. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, Diane Weist. Uh, yeah, but Wallace Dan- Sean. But Danny Aiello. Isn't do the right thing with um Spike Lee, who was in Mo Better Blues with Dick Anthony Williams, who was in Five on the Black Hand Side with Derville Martin. Danny Aiello was also in Harlem Nights with Eddie Murphy who was in Boomerang mm-hmm. 
with um what's my man's name plays the father in five no no plays the father in five on the black hand side oh uh, just look it up you don't remember his name because i don't remember his name i'm looking at the i'm looking at the chats here and farrell blackwell is telling me that uh lynn you got to start going in the other direction (laughs) pick actors and films before the 60s look i was about to throw betty davis at him but i was like i I thought that would be unfair. Betty Davis. <sighs> what is Betty Davis in that I can think of? Well, she's in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, but who's... I'm, I'm just trying to think who's around her. Well, in there you've got Joanne... Uh, what's her name? The the um, No Wire Hangers. Joanne Crawford. Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford. She was also in her most famous movie, Mildred Pierce. The original. Yeah. I can get I can get to them through Catherine Hepburn. And, ah, um, see, that's the thing. And well, um, I guess yeah, you could connect. Them. And uh, what's his name? Spencer. Spencer Tracy. Yeah. See, they. But I'd need your help. Yeah. They. Those two will take you. They'll get you back. Down. Yeah. They'll get you back down to the thirties. Yeah. So, well, off the top of the dome, I, right. I probably can't get to Betty Davis. Yeah. So, but next week, we'll, next week, next we'll week. start with Buster Keaton. Next week, we'll start with Buster Keaton. What's the last movie Charlie Chaplin made? Oh, it was a movie. It's not a really great movie. Um, where he's an old man. <laughs> oh, yes. In France, I think. Can't remember the name of it, and it's a talkie, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a curio. It's not like a wholly bad movie, but it's mm-hmm. just not. All right, I'm, I'm gonna look that one thing up, and then we're gonna get to the rest of our show because it's, I don't want to live. I feel like I'm be leaving on a cliffhanger. <laughs> don't answer that question. Um, Charlie Chaplin's last film. Well, let's see. Let's go to his. Can we just get to his filmography? Thank you. I mean, because the man did so many things. Um, the movie I'm thinking of is Limelight. Okay. That's the name of from 1952. Mm-hmm. Um, but technically, they're saying that he had, he was in a couple of films after that. He made an appearance in Accounts from Hong Kong. Um, from 1950, 1967. No, he directed it. Mm. <laughs> wow. Starring, he didn't star in it, even though he probably shows up in there. Marlon Brando and Sophia Loren. So it's not like it was a small mm. movie. Right, right. And then he did a, a in 1957, he did a, uh, his last leading role was in A King in New York. But Limelight is the movie that most people consider it. Like it's, who is it? Who is he with? In Limelight? Yeah. No, and it, like he is the star. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's nothing like like a big movie or anything like that. But um, is it just him by himself? No, 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 oh. no, no, no. It's uh, he's a washed-up comedian who saves a suicidal dancer played by Claire Bloom from killing herself, mm-hmm. and both try to get through life. Right, right, right. Yeah, so well, if he was in that movie with Marlon Brando, but he he wasn't in it. He he, he just directed. directed it. Okay, All he right. just directed it. All right. 
where you try to get to the Godfather to get to Diane Keaton to get to Woody Allen, right? Why would I be trying to get to Woody Allen? I'm trying to get to Durville Martin. Oh, so 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 well, how does Marlon Brando get you to Durville Martin? Oh, because he's in Apocalypse Now with, with Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. All right. Yeah. All right. Then you gotta go back from there. All right. Well, well we're not. Let's All right. Do, I'm done with you. All right. I'm done with you. <laughs> I don't like this game. <laughs> I like it. I know you do. It's a fun, it's a fun exercise. We only got 10 more shows of this. <laughs> Come up with somebody else. <laughs> See you get from Oscar Michelle to all these people. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun game. Never mind. Oh, real quick, quick um note. TCM. Yes. Has been showing Oscar Michelle movies. Yes. And they actually have a documentary. Yes. About Oscar Michelle. So people check that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, Was Oscar Michelle in that movie with Paul Robeson? No. Because he plays a policeman in one of his films, but it's not Heart and Soul. I don't believe it's in Heart and Soul. Okay. All right. I'm going to say it's not. Okay. Because I don't want you to. Already making your way, making your connection. You, you, you know, you just just need me to input your computer. Yes, and you like, but we'll continue next week. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. Um, and and for those who don't have TCM, because a lot of people cut the cable cord. Yes, as George Kimona points out to me, you can also see that documentary on HBO Max. Yes, you can. Because TCM is a hub on there. Yes, right. you can. yes, it is. Let's get into our review of Ghost Dog. Okay. The Way of the Samurai. All right. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Even if a samurai's head were to be suddenly cut off, he should still be able to perform one more action with certainty. If one becomes like a revengeful ghost and shows great determination, though his head is cut off, he should not die. Mr. Vargo wants every member of his family to make it a priority to erase this window. This killer needs to be neutralized, erased from the face of the planet. This guy is a professional. Going after him could be very dangerous.
past four years, this guy has done maybe 12 perfect contracts. Perfect. Like a ghost. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. 1999 crime film written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Forrest Whitaker stars as the title character, the mysterious mafia hitman, Ghost Dog, uh, who follows the ancient code of the samurai as outlined in the book of Yamamoto Tsuntomo's recorded sayings, Hagakuri. Practice that for quite a while. All right. Um, I'm just going to say the way to Samurai. <laughs> this film, which stars Forrest Whitaker, uh, Henry Silva, mm-hmm. as well as a very young Camille Winbush. Her first appearance. And a plethora of older white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Written and directed by uh, independent darling Jim Jarmusch, this was Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michaud mission and featuring music. Yes, sir. By the one and only RZA mm-hmm. of the Wu-Tang Clan. Vincent, what say you of Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai? I think it is very appropriate that you refer to Jim Jarmusch as an indie darling mm. because he is a writer and director who lived in that world, the sort of art house film, independent film world. And the 90s, I think, were were a really good time for these movies. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, the, the movie, the art house movie movie. And I always thought about Ghost Dog as almost... Jarmusch's commentary on a type of film okay that was really in its heyday at this point it's 1999 so i think many of us were 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 aware of like the john woo films mm-hmm. because of quentin tarantino mm-hmm. who this quentin tarantino is a couple of years after pulp fiction so quentin tarantino has had amazing crossover success a bunch of people kind of found their way to certain um aspects of international film but particularly john woo because quentin tarantino quote unquote and these is a real hard quote unquote Mm -hmm. borrowed heavily Mm -hmm. from the work of you know hard-boiled the killer a better tomorrow so on so forth I, i think we were also at a moment where where there was a, 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 a new appreciation of the Shaw Brothers films. Yes. You know, many of us who watched those films in the 70s and 80s were now adults and and had this great affection for those films. We'll get to Riz in a moment. Certainly Wu-Tang Clan was part of this appreciation. Uh, I don't know what month it came out with ghost dog came out first or the matrix came out first, mm. but, but the matrix is coming out this year. Crouching tiger, hidden dragon is the next year. So that is certainly part of the film conversation. I would even go so far as to say, um, Akira Kurosawa's films 
I seem to remember this was a moment where they were getting runs. Mm -hmm. So although, you know, Kurosawa's Japanese and the Shaw brothers and John Woo were Chinese, there was this sort of almost Asian film renaissance. And this film, plot-wise, very much fits into this kind of tradition right. of, of this lone hitman who works for some organized crime mm -hmm. and a hit goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And then there are the repercussions from the hit, usually involving a young girl. Like, I think I, I, think I just described the plot of The Killer. Thank you. Like one way or like I, I pretty much describe the plot of the killer. Yeah, the killer or the professional? I, the professional, the, I think the professional, you can bring that in that conversation too. Mm -hmm. An, another film that I think is very much inspired right. by the work of John. But that's, that is the, the plot of the killer. Mm -hmm. uh, right. You are right. You're right. But the professional as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing about Jim Jarmusch is he he's always had this really kind of skewed perspective mm -hmm. the way he makes his work. And, and I have to say, I run hot and cold with him, but although that's the plot of this film, right? The way he approaches it is this really kind of almost funhouse mirror approach to it where, where in a lot of ways he deconstructs this, this plot Mm -hmm. and then puts it back together in a really funky way. First, all of these films are, are inspired by the samurai and, and, you know, again, the Ronin and these warriors who have this code of honor. This character, Ghost Dog, literally fa fashions himself a samurai. Yes. Like he follows the code of the samurai in modern times where, where he's got a carrier pigeon and, and he lives this very plain life, this Spartan life. Ghost Dog is black. So there's a black man in the city. They never name the city, but you no. assume it's New York. It looks very Staten Island, Long Islandy. It's filmed in Jersey, Jersey City. Jersey City. Not only is Ghost Dog black, but this character is played by Forrest Whitaker. Yes. Who, not to put too fine of a point on it, you know how these actors go, come into the Marvel? You were talking about the Marvel movies. And they go and they get the Marvel workout. Yes. Where you see them before they go into the Marvel movies. And then after about 10 months, they're all ripped. Mm -hmm. And now they're Marvel movie people. Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker did not go through that training. No. Forrest Whitaker very much looks like Forrest Whitaker. Yes, he does. But he's a samurai. Yes. The criminal organization that he's working for is the Italian mafia. Mm -hmm. But it is so stereotypical that it becomes absurd. Mm. Like you talked about, it's, it's a bunch of older white guys. This really is central casting of this kind of movie mobster. Right. Headed by Henry Silva, mm -hmm. who at some point I got to take a minute with, can I just tell you how much I love Henry Silva? <laughs> I have, I've loved Henry Silva since I was a kid. Yeah. And he's the perfect person to play the head 
of this family mm-hmm. because he looks exactly like a movie mobster. Mm. Speaking of Silva, it's a great cast. It's a great cast. As you mentioned, um, Camille Winbush, mm-hmm. this is her first film. And, she, and, and she's fantastic. She is absolutely fantastic. And, and I have to say, I have always been a fan of Camille Winbush. I think the work she did on Bernie Mac was never as celebrated as it should have been for young actors. And frankly, I think she should have a career like Zendaya or Yara Shahidi. Like, I really think she's a great actress. Um, besides Henry Silva, you've got John um, John Tormey, mm-hmm. who plays Louie, who is, who is Ghost Dog's handler. Great character actor. Shows up throughout the 80s and 90s and brings this real kind of weary, weary working classness to this character he's in it and he speaks french the entire film yes isaac Banquoli as raymond i love raymond mm-hmm. i love raymond uh he as as the as this french speaking ice cream man right He's so personable. He's so dynamic. He's got a great face. He's got, like, he just really inhabits this role. And then you have Forrest Whitaker, who, for most of the film, because he's playing the samurai, is emotionless. Right. And and no one plays dead-eyed like, like Forrest Whitaker. Like, his face... It's it's the stillness mm-hmm. that he gets mm-hmm. until he does it. Like you have these wonderful split seconds where he comes alive, where you realize that the stillness is an act. At one point, they destroy his bird coop. Yeah. And just silently, his eyes are flitting back and forth because he's, you know, he's he's really upset about it. Later in the movie, he has to pretend to be a realtor. And he's it's it's almost like somebody switches something inside of him. Yeah, it's Bob Solo. Bob Solo working for the realty company. The script is fantastic. The script captures the absurdity of the storyline, mm-hmm. the absurdity of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it shows how they all have this this aspect of their lives in common where they're all sort of putting on like everyone is playing a character yes as absurd as it is that ghost dog is a samurai assassin who looks like forrest whitaker in 1999 on a rooftop swinging a sword around it's just as absurd these men playing mafioso Mm-hmm. based on what they think mafiosos should act like. Mm. You've got these wonderful, surreal moments throughout the, you, you know, it's, it's all of these images of the birds going back and forth. I love how it transitions, talking about the absurdity. I love how, how Jarmusch transitions between the action going on mm-hmm. and the cartoons mm-hmm. that the characters 
are 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 I'm continuously sure watching. Yeah. So you know, Ghost Dog sees a woodpecker, they show a Woody Woodpecker cartoon. There's this ridiculous cartoon conceit where a policeman shoots bullets up some pipes that come out of the shower head to hit the villain in the cartoon, but then Ghost Dog also executes somebody similarly. Yes, he does. When when he un when he unscrews a pipe. And I think just on the level of absurdity, it's a it's just a fun movie. It's a fun, good movie. But what I what I end up liking the most about this film, and frankly, I think the reason this film endures, because this is a film that people like this is a film, again, I think Jim Jarmusch, if people know a film by him, this is it. I think this is it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe Broken Flowers. Right. But but this is his big, if he has a crossover film, this is it. Mm-hmm. Because I think ultimately, even with the absurdity of all of it, there's this real poetry to this film. There's this real poetry to how Ghost Dog moves through this world there's there's this real beauty in how ghost dog has this relationship with perlene who is camille winbush's character's name he has this relationship with um raymond who's the ice cream man hell he has a relationship with louis who's his handler his retainer his retainer and there's all this talk about the old ways whether we're talking about the way of the samurai or, or, you know, apparently the way of the mafia and you end up by the end of the film, respecting the beauty of it. And I think the fact that Jim Jarmusch is able to do all of this in the same film is, is again, the reason why the film endures and it's, you know, it's a great film. You finished? Yeah. Oh yeah. I couldn't disagree with you more um really 100 percent. wow 100 percent. um i think that this film first of all you point out the absurdity of the characters and and the things that are happening in this film and even there's even a moment when the absurdity of it is pointed out in the script, yes. when the Louis has to explain to these other mobsters uh, exactly how he came to, you know, have Ghost Dog be his his hitman, mm-hmm. and he has to tell them like, you know, well, I only pay him once a year. It was on the first of first day of autumn. <laughs> um, and even then, you know, it's when he sends me these, you know, this, these uh, passenger pi- pigeons with these notes to which we, then we have some guys that passenger pigeons, <laughs> passenger pigeons have been extinct since 1914. <laughs> That's an extremely absurd moment because the one guy is like, he's like, what? Wait, 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 what, what, what? Pigeons? No, no. He just says birds. <laughs> Henry Silvers then asks, "What species <laughs> of birds?" 
You know you're it. selling it to me right now. See, because <laughs> that, that is a great scene. That is a great scene. I'm not gonna lie. That's a great scene. I laughed out loud at that scene. Rewound it and watched it again. I enjoyed that scene. That scene comes 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah. About. It's only a couple of minutes. And it comes out of nowhere. Because up till then, this film, which is promoted as a crime drama. Go ahead. Capital C, capital D, crime drama. Up to this moment, this film is very, very serious. From Forrest Whitaker's ghost dog giving us actual readings from the way of the samurai, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, in voiceover to what he's be what he's reading coming up as script on the screen you know so wanting you we don't want you to just hear it we want you to read it yes this is very serious because this is very serious this is very germane to the mood mm-hmm. and the the mindset of the ghost dog so he's going to make sure that this permeates into your brain and and Let's you think that we don't realize that we're giving you a lot of words to go over. We will now follow these words with five minutes of ghost dog walking. <laughs> yes. Which will be accompanied by an additional minute of ghost dog looking. Yes. Just so that you can have the time to eat on what you have just heard and red and here is a rizza beat that he gave us for free to play over this scene that's the first 45 minutes of this freaking movie so that when the the bird conversation between the gangsters pops up yes it's funny yes it's a great scene but you're happy because something happened up until then, there's nothing really happening. First, first of all, and then you said that this is a hit that goes wrong. Technically, as we are made to learn, Louie, who is Ghost Dog's handler, hires Ghost Dog to kill a mobster. Yes. Ghost Dog kill said mobster yes there's a girl that is there yes he does not kill the girl he doesn't know who the girl is right but he does not kill the girl he does his job and goes off this is not a hit that goes wrong he did his job yes because you then learn that the person that he that louis had him hit a made man and now for reasons that are that are only tangentially explained the people who were led to believe told Louie to kill the mobster. Yes, now they're covering their tracks. This is this is half of these movies. That it, it didn't make any sense to me. How does that, what part 
that doesn't I'm sorry, make sense. It didn't make, it, it didn't make any sense to they me. They said, dude, from the very beginning, they said they got to hit what's his, his name's like Pretty Ricky mm-hmm. or Handsome, whatever it is, but they have to make it look like they're not really doing it. They're pissed because he's sleeping with the boss's daughter. Right. And they got to take care of this real quiet like because Pretty Ricky, like you said, is a made guy. Well, it's Handsome Hank or something. I'm gonna call him Pretty Wick Ricky, but the man has a name. It's Handsome Hank. But any, but either way, either way. So they, you want to make it look like it's not that it wasn't them that right. Did it. So Louis gets the black samurai guy to kill the black samurai guy who, if no one tell told you, you wouldn't know that he had anything to do with the mob. Everyone panics. I think, but why? Because they're not that competent. Which is what the whole kind of movie is like. The whole the whole movie is incompetent. It's not. It's, it's, it's you're bugging. No, you're I'm actually bugging. bugging right now. I'm not bugging. It's not. It's it, that story. First of all, is 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 paper thin. It, it's it's all of these stories. You, oh my god, you act like the story isn't paper thin in all these movies. Well, it's not in all of them. But <laughs> okay, all right. If you talk about the actual plot mm-hmm. of the killer. Yeah. Of the professional. Yeah. Of Better Tomorrow. Of all these movies, mm-hmm. all of the plots, okay, the plots are, are, are pretty thin. They're pretty thin. So what they're hanging on is is one, the the acting. Yes. Two, the, the style. Piece, the, the style. Yes. And three, the set pieces. Okay? Yes. So if I give you that the that the uh, these type of films, a lot of them share this thinness of plot. Okay. Let's go to acting. I don't care what Jim Jarmusch says, who says that he wrote this role specifically for Forrest Whitaker. I think Forrest Whitaker is miscast in this film. To me. That's the point. I understand that he's not supposed to be what you picture as a samurai. I get that. But I'm saying that what I think he's doing in this film, I don't think it's I, it's not convincing to me. Okay. Well, you where you see dead eyes, I I am just I'm left unfazed by anything that he is doing on the screen, right? And and like he, it, the only thing that fazed me a little bit is that after he kills somebody with a gun. Yes. He does a little sword flourish with it. Because he's absurd. Because it's ridiculous. Okay. I understand that. I understand that. If Rob, like, uh, what's his name? Roger Ebert, in his review of this movie, he said that, one, the way he had to look at this movie was that there was something wrong with Right, right. Like, he's actually got some head issues. Yeah. And detached from from, uh, reality. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I get, if you look at it from that that lens. Yeah. But the only way that, even with that, I could continue to make sense of this movie is that if I'm also looking at it as not a crime drama, but maybe a dark comedy. Well... And the reason for that is because these gangsters who you say, yes, these older gangsters, yes, they are incompetent and ridiculous and, and they are ridiculous and they don't seem to be despite the 
how they try to come across as the most you know well-to-do um gangsters because like they owe rent at their little <laughs> club <laughs> like all of their houses have for sale signs. yes um like they're literally low rent they're li- they're literally literally low rent um they look they look like they were maybe their heyday was maybe back in al capone days um so looking at the lens like okay i think you're not supposed to take them that this seriously so this is supposed to be kind of like a little slanted comedic comedy but then from that standpoint i'm still not feeling it because it ain't funny oh my goodness it's so it's not it's not it's it's, it's, it's not dramatic look, look it's not funny so then okay I have to lean on the style of the film, mm-hmm. right? I think this film is badly edited. I think this film is badly shot. I think it's badly directed. Oh my goodness! I don't. I. I. I don't think there's anything. You know, don't get me wrong. You don't have to be like super avant garde with your staging or anything like that. But I don't think that there's anything really, you know, like earth shattering about it. it it looks competent at best mm-hmm. in, in, from that standpoint to me um i think you know forrest whitaker aside his being miscast i do think you're right camille winbush for what she's asked to do is great in this film uh, definitely you know she's being introduced she's a younger younger actress at this time I think she's very good in, in the film. Uh, I think the Raymond character, for what he's doing, spot on in the film. Everybody else, I don't know what they're doing. It, it's just leaving me absolutely cold. And I don't, while I think there's a little bit of a relationship that you can see between Raymond and ghost dog it's each other's best friends despite not being able to understand what each other right. is talking about again a comedic bit i guess yeah yeah um, very 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 speaking of charlie I, chaplin and old abbott and costello type. Right. yeah but i don't necessarily see the connection between her him and perlene i know what this movie is trying to make me see i don't necessarily think i see them it it happening there Mm. Right, and that's me. I think the movie is way longer than it needs to be. I think the RZA shows up for for you know they throw yeah. the bony shows up. I think the RZA's music in this in this and this is the first film was, that he actually scored. Right, this is his first score. So it's not re- it's not really so much of a score mm-hmm. as you are meant to think of is as opposed to just you know rizza beats on there some of the beats are, are are good some of the beats are a little like what are you doing here rizza i don't think any of the beats to be honest do anything for the film but i'm not going to knock this like this is his first time at back mm-hmm. doing this so i'm not not going to knock it and and rizza would would grow and mm-hmm. is an, an accomplished composer mm-hmm. at this point. So I'm not going to knock that, but, but, but that being said, that still didn't 
that still leaves me cold because it's just not doing anything for me. At least, at least if the beats are banging, then maybe I'm I'm buying into some of these scenes. There's a scene where he's like the Bob Solo when he goes up to do the shootout uh, uh, of the house. It's it's badly staged. It's slow. I'm not feel. I, I I can't even get invested in the action but of it. I think that's the point. Like it's um like like again. So the point is, this is not Wesley style. Snipes in Blade. No, I understand. I, it's not. It's, I'm not saying. Forrest and he's Whitaker's not slow. fighting. You know the elite hitmen for that they sent down to help with the problem. Like I think that why do it in slow motion? I don't think it's in slow motion. I think this is how they actually moving. No, it's actually in slow motion. Like I think it is. I I honestly think he is deliberately doing this, showing the absurdity of it. Mm. And it works for me. You you know, again, I will. I will say this, and then I was just sort of thinking about what I just said, even. I do think this is a film that works best as a response to these other films. Okay. On its own, I mean, quite honestly, what I I think is it's the Jim Jarmunch thing. I think his his whole style like like he has this kind of languid style generally mm. where you could argue <laughs> the stuff is too long huh. and that's you know like me again i like broken flowers i like a little bit of coffee and cigarettes uh was it down by law that's one in prison yeah but look either look i don't i like it sometimes like i liked i liked it was almost like a meditation. And and I think that's how he meant it to be, again, going in concert with the way of the samurai. And again, I like the absurdity of it being Force Whitaker's ghost dog doing it. I think if you have basically Blade, Mm -hmm. you, you know, like Wesley Snipes' Blade, who's also basically a samurai, like you have all those scenes in the first blade where you, you know he's he's you know practicing in this and it's like yeah this this is an actual dude but i do i really do think part of the whole theme of this movie is people putting on these costumes and then they do or do not fit or rather they don't fit perfectly so you know everything that you're saying didn't work for the reason that you say it didn't work Mm-hmm. Those are the reasons that it worked for me. Okay. I mean, look, it's why it's just, two of us. I just don't see. It. I don't. I, I just don't see it. I mean, I understand you're saying that people are putting on a a, a a costume and they're like they're role playing in this joint, but it's like, dude, who's got time for for that, man? They who has time for it? A homeless dude living on a roof. And some low rent gangsters who can't pay their rent—that's who has time. Yeah, but you say at one in one hand you say that like you think this is uh, the film's got like like this meditation. Yeah. And the other 
Yeah, you say it's got this absurdist quality. I, I think it's, like it, it's got to pick a lane. No, it because does. They, Why does it have to pick a lane? Because they, they keep bumping up against each other. And then the end makes it, you no, know, the, the end is boring. And I, I don't know what you wanted. I wanted a better wanted movie. Some more expl- I wanted to be entertained. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind a talky hitman crime film. I don't mind that at all. See, and I think that's, like you said, it's billed as a crime drama. I don't know if Jim Jarmusch billed it as that. Like, I, well, think, I don't know what, I don't think he knows what he billed it as. Right, right. I think the, the, the movie companies billed it as that. I think, I honestly think it, it, it's supposed to be a comedy. I think it's supposed to be a black comedy. And as a comedy, I don't think it is that funny. I don't think it's supposed to, I really do think it's supposed to be absurd. Well, like you think about moments like the guy building a ship on top of the apartment building. Oh, yeah. And it's just this absurd moment. How's he going to get it down? It is absurd. Right. But I think that's the movie. I think the movie is absurd. Well, it's not funny. I don't think absurdity is always funny. I think there are funny moments within absurdity. But I think a guy in the basement unscrewing the pipe while a mafioso is doing you you know flavor 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 and then he gets shot through the pipe isn't funny but it damn sure is absurd it is absurd like this is ridiculous okay i know that conversation and 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 we are we totally agree on that like it's the best scene in the movie Mm -hmm. with these three mafiosos talking about names and all these people have yeah. names in this center. And then, of course, the punchline, which you see coming a mile away. Yes. You know, gets what is it? Sammy, I actually wrote down their names. It's like um, Sammy the Snake, Joe Rags. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's like, oh, these black guys always have all these weird names. He's just, oh, it's like Indians. And they, they're sitting bull and this, that, and the other. This is just what they do. Right. All right, get Sammy the Snake, Joe Rags, and this, that, and the other. And it really is. I, I really do think it's all very deliberate. And I like, you know, well, I love I think it. it's deliberate. I just was not entertained by it. And Henry Silva, anything. I thought Henry Silva was the biggest star on earth when I was a kid. Really? I mean, you know I why? Because like- he was in all this stuff that I watched. Like I swear he was on Love Boat all the time. Well, he, yeah. He was in Ocean's Eleven. He was. Um, <laughs> you ever watch Megaforce? Have you ever seen Megaforce? I don't know. From the eighties. Oh, it's 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 a it's a terrible schlocky science fiction movie <laughs> from like nineteen eighty four. But let me tell you something. I was obsessed with Megaforce. I don't remember. I don't even think I've ever. Heard <laughs> and he plays the bad guy in Megaforce. Of course. It's like. Megaforce is like someone wanted to make a G.I. Joe movie, a live action G.I. Joe movie, but they didn't have the licensing to G.I. Joe, nor that much money. <laughs> we should make a G.I. Joe movie. You got the license? No. How much money you got? I got nine dollars. All right, let's make a movie. But I was obsessed with Megaforce. Megaforce with uh, Barry Boswick. Barry Boswick. That's right. Michael Beck. Michael. <laughs> Barry Boswick was the star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Persis Kambada. <laughs> he was the Asian guy. No, Persis Kambada is a woman. 
Oh, right. She was the love interest. Right. Um, who made her claim the fame before that. Wait, is that the is that the one from Star Trek the movie? Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's never been a superhero like Ace Hunter. <laughs> oh my god, I've never Oh, Mega Force. I was obsessed with Mega Force. I saw Mega Force and I was like, oh shit. They talk about Star Wars, but this is it right here. <laughs> I was all about Mega Force. I've never heard of this. <laughs> anyway, Henry Silva played the um villain. Yes, he, he did play the villain. I, I do see that. <laughs> Henry Sil Henry Silva as Guerra. <laughs> he was vaguely ethnic. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> and again. Henry Silva as the as as the head of this of this uh branch of the mafia. Perfect. Yeah, well. He's perfect. Like Hen like Henry Silva was perfect as the head of this family. You can tell Henry Silva is is in this film and I don't care what's coming out of his mouth. <laughs> His inner monologue is, I was in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> he was in a bunch of, he was in Cannonball Run too. He, he, well, yeah. I'm telling you, Henry Silva, was, I thought he was the biggest star on, you know, I didn't understand how reruns worked when I was a kid. Oh, so you didn't know. So I just assumed you were always on to, you know, that's why Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the remake has, freaks me out to this day. Because Leonard Nimoy, is in it and Leonard Nimoy spoiler y'all Leonard Nimoy dies like halfway through the movie yes he does and that really freaked me out when I was a kid because mm -hmm. I was like Leonard Nimoy is one of the biggest stars in the world how could something happen to him like he's on TV three times a day <laughs> this is my fourth time seeing Leonard Nimoy today how could something happen to him you know I always like him uh Henry Silva why because he was uh and Buck Rogers in the 20th yes! century. Yes. And Kane. Yes, he yes, he was. Yes, he was. Henry, is he dead? No. no. Henry Silver's the best. No, he's still, still alive and kicking. Yeah. Um raise a glass to Henry Silva. Uh the the missionaries in the chat, uh, a few of them agree with me. Um Damon Williams, your brother says the movie is absurd from top to bottom and Sharon Eldridge uh Sharon Eldridge says Forrest Whitaker does not cannot <laughs> sell the absurdity like Len said it's miscast I think that's the point okay <laughs> but and and in regards to Henry Silva who <laughs> who Farrell Blackwell says was an awesome bad guy. George Kimona asked, did he work with Derville Martin? Oh, I don't know if he worked directly with Derville Martin, but you know. You can definitely get to you, I mean, you get to, okay. look, you can get to Ocean's Eleven. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Before this, in the 70s, when Henry Silva became the big star on some smaller television shows mm -hmm. and smaller films, mm-hmm. He was 
a huge character actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fifties and sixties. Yeah. So he was in everything. Yeah. So yeah, you could get to. We could play. We could play two degrees of Henry Silva and get to like almost every branch. Yeah, yeah, because because I mean, hell, Ocean's Eleven, Dervo Martin is is in. Um, guess who's coming to dinner with um Sidney Poitier? Sidney Poitier is in Porgy and Bess with Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy yeah, Davis yeah, Jr. Yeah. is in Ocean's Eleven with Henry Silva. With with Henry Silva, yeah. Also, in Cannonball Run too. Same path through Sammy Davis Jr. Don't do Henry. <laughs> Don't do, don't do, don't do Henry Silva. I don't know if I could get to him to mega, to mega force though. I don't even, I didn't even know Barry Boswick was actually a star. I just knew he was the dude in mega force. Because he, he had a beard. He looked like one of Bee Gees. Let's, let's not go too far with that, that star. No. He's a name. He was, Barry Boswick was a name. A name. What was Barry Boswick in? You're not going to trip over him. He was on TV. Like, I know he was on TV, but... Did, well, What's his big claim to fame? Wasn't he one of them CBS shows during the 80s? Um, like, yeah. Yeah. He well, was, no, 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 no. What he, what he, he's most famous for two things. He portrayed Brad Majors in the musical comedy horror film... That plays oh, everywhere. Oh, right. Rocky Hard. Rocky Hard. Yeah. And he played Mayor Randall Winston in Spin City. Right. You know what? I never watched Spin City. It was, that was, it was all right. Yeah. It was funny enough. Um, that That's his real. I know he plays Ace Hunter in Megaforce. <laughs> He's the leader of Megaforce. And they have like motorcycles. And then the motorcycles have like streamers come out the back. And then at the end of the movie. Like the planes were taken off, and he was and he was left behind. And then Lynn, yes, his motorcycle started flying at the end of the movie. Well, sure it did. And I did. I was a kid. I was like, this, 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 this the greatest thing on. Like, I can't wait till Mega Force Two comes out. Like, certainly they're gonna keep this Mega Force thing going. Like, if Star Wars can get can get uh, uh two sequels, you know, apparently this. <laughs> Apparently, this Revenge of the Jedi is coming out, so I I know it's going to be a Mega Force too, because this is fantastic right here. I know that motorcycle ain't just start flying. This is the greatest thing ever, boy. This is why they make movies right here. Mega Force. So, would you recommend that people watch Ghost Dog? Oh, I absolutely would. I absolutely would. I absolutely would. I think. Um, I think this is a great example of, and this is an overused word now, but but I think this is a great example of the kind of quirky movie that came out in the 90s. And I think it is a movie unlike other movies. Like, that's the other you thing. Couldn't have said it better. So, so, yeah, I would absolutely recommend Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Okay. And, and you? No. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to. I had not watched this film up until this point, but it had always been a curiosity. Mm-hmm. So I'm 
I'm glad that I have scratched that itch. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a thing. People talk about it. Um, but having done so, I will not put anyone else through what I went through. Okay. No, I don't think it's worth seeing. No disrespect to the many of the performers. Well, most well, a couple of the performers. <laughs> um, because I'm huge fans of the rest of their body of work. Mm-hmm. But you can skip over. I believe there's a Criterion Collection edition of this film. So, so yeah, so, apparently so, Jim Jarmusch has so, tapes on the Criterion um, Selection Committee. Yes, that's what's happening. And he's, therefore, he's, they threw him he's, the bone. Yeah, he's 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 blackmailing them. I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past. Wouldn't put it past it. Yeah, I'm just saying maybe the print would be. Of course, you probably you because you watch it on their channel. So I guess that's the print. That's that's <laughs> that's the print right there, Lynn. Yeah, yeah. So there so. you go. All right, fair enough. All right, all right, all right. Um, what? <laughs> Farrell Blackwell. I don't know if this is true or not. He says he looked it up. Your beloved Megaforce. Yes, is the prequel. To <laughs> Mad Max don't, Fury. Hey man, don't do that. Don't be disrespectful to Megaforce. It could, well, first of all, don't be disrespectful. Did to you Megaforce. see Mad Max Fury Road? Okay, Mad Max Fury Road is amazing. Is amazing. Is amazing. So there's no disrespect. Oh, he trying to be funny. He that's got true. yeah. He missed a jokey joke, man. But there's no disrespect that that might be connected. If that was connected, that makes Megaforce better, just tangentially. I hope Barry Bossel uses his considerable, considerable influence <laughs> to revisit Megaforce in the way that that Sylvester Stallone has revisited the character of Rocky in the Rocky mythos. You do realize Megaforce 2022. You do realize Barry Bossel was like fifth build on Spin City. <laughs> I don't know how considerable his influence is. Hunter returns. He can maybe get you a 20% Groupon <laughs> at your local Starbucks. Considerable influence of Barry Boswell. <laughs> Yeah, just tell him Barry Boswick's on the line. <laughs> Lenny was on the motorcycle and the planes were taking off. Mm-hmm. How will Ace Hunter get on the plane with us? Lenny, the plane start flying. He hit a button and then some wings came down and then the motorcycle, motorcycle start flying. He's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. That reminds me of Transformers. I forget which stupid one of those stupid movies it was when Optimus Prime spends his entire the entire movie turning into a, a big truck. Well, a truck. That's his driving thing, actually riding across the, the plane. Yeah, yeah. Finds the Dinobots yeah, yeah, and has to get them across the country to fight the Decepticon so he rides a Dinobot. I mean, if he had an opportunity to ride, to ride a, Dinobot, a Dinobot, I mean, yeah, I mean, he I, would. And you know, in his defense. That's what you would do. Yeah. Right? 
right? Right? That's what I'd do. Yeah. So he spends the whole whole movie doing this. He's dinosaur running, that's also an alien he's jumping, robot. Jumping, he's he's riding he's riding dinosaurs and everything like that. But then at the very end of the movie, yeah, they have to get a bomb away, and there's nobody can get away. And Optimus Prime now now hits a button, and now he's got a jetpack. He's got a jetpack. In his defense, he was riding a Dinobot up until that point, which you have to admit is kind of metal. Yeah, but you could have flew. Yeah, but if you you could have flew the whole movie. I know, but if you if you pick between using a jetpack and riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex, that's also an alien robot. I know what I'd pick. Before we tell you, I'm I'm before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you. Hey, have you heard the Michelle Mission has a voicemail? I mean, that's better than the carrier pigeon that Ghost Dog had. Give us a call, 215-867-9666. Tell Vincent and Len what's on your mind, your thoughts about our 300 episodes. Um, you can give us a shout-out. You can show some love. You can get, whatever. We want to hear from you because your message might be played on the show <laughs> as we make our way up to our 300th episode of the Michelle Mission, um, which is... You can follow on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Michelle Mission. You can also subscribe on YouTube and on Twitch to Michelle Mission. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. That's Michelle Mission, M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. And Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made, MichelleMission.com, where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs and gifts that we have available for you from our good friends at T Public, including yes, our six degrees of Derville Martin six collection, degrees of Derville which has Martin. been selling pretty good. I saw that uh, someone just received their uh, swag in the chat. It is a great design. I love that design. Why? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All righty, and don't forget to eat. Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week on the Michelle Mission, we have a guest joining us, Vincent. Okay. We have from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Elizabeth Wellington will be returning. Hey, Elizabeth. And we will be Elizabeth, taking... she's coming to join us. She's coming to join us. Uh-huh. You see what I did there? I see what you Do you did see there. what I did there? I exactly what you did there. <laughs> Um, she's coming to join us and she's going to take us above the rim. All right. From 1994. 1994. Next week on the road to 300, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. Bye.